0: Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33. Lord willing, today, I would like to talk some about stability and our longing for it, our innate need um, to have a sense that things are stable my hope is that we will look at verse 6, but we really, we really need to say something about verse 2 um, to get a feel for this thing. The context of this whole chapter is roughly found in 2 Kings 18 and 19. Um, Assyria had hauled off a few of the surrounding peoples into exile, and now Assyria is standing on Hezekiah's doorstep, He's standing on Judah's doorstep, and they're facing... Upheaval. Um, You could call it instability. You could call it the unknown. It's a sense of uncertainty. Um, It's that feeling of dread when things are about to change or things could possibly change, and there are so many situations where you can't do anything about it. And the prophet in verse 2 gives us words to express all of this. To express that situation back to the Lord in this prayer. And he says this, and I'll be reading from the ESV. He says, O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in a time of trouble. Notice this about his prayer. Notice the severity of the problem. They are in trouble. They need grace. They need salvation. Notice the nature of the problem. They are asking for God to be strong for them because it feels like everything is out of control. It feels like that they are at the mercy of chaos or something worse. And I can actually put this in concrete terms of the Bible and Bible stories. Um, Have you ever thought of how random the death of John the Baptist feels? Has that ever hit you when you're reading? Do you read the Bible that way? Like, you can read it just like because you've always read it, and it's hard for stuff to like, for you to actually think of what's going on. It feels like when you read the story of John the Baptist and his death, it feels like that he just died at the whim of a dumb girl, right? Isn't that what it feels like? This girl somehow seduces a king, and one of the greatest men to ever live loses his life. That does not feel stable. That does not feel stable. Notice the frequency of this problem. It is as common as the sun coming up. Be our arm every morning. This is something that we are facing all the time also. This sense of instability. This sense of the unknown. That we're not actually in control. This dear sister in the community she 's healthy one minute and she's she 's gone the next. That actually happened with my grandfather that I was so close to. Um, he was so healthy and then out of the blue, I get this call from my grandmother and she 's frantic. he was walking out the door and fell over dead and I can remember being as you know i was in I was nineteen or twenty can remember frantically asking everyone to please explain how this can happen and some of you who are conversant with these things have already it's already popped in your mind it was probably an aneurysm but that doesn't help does it that doesn't help the feeling of instability it doesn't help that there's this thing that like a blood vessel can rupture and that's all it takes like you look perfectly healthy on the outside but something can happen and you're gone the next minute it doesn't help to actually name it Like, you still feel fragile. And that's where we're at. I've told you the story before of me being in St. Louis when my youngest son was so sick, and my kids had been going back and forth and back and forth. And towards the end, I promised them, I am not going to send you back again. And within 24 hours, I was sitting in a CICU with a uh, line in my neck, And a virus attacking my heart. They do not allow your kids to stay with you in the CICU at Boone Hospital. And guess what I had to do? I had to break my promise. Do you know why? Because I'm not in control. And I can't even control something as small as keeping my kids with me for a few extra days in St. Louis. We have this sense of thing. We feel this on the national level, too. If you're conversing at all with the news and things like that, there's these talks of Russia. And if you're honest, you can feel it. There's talks about Russia. There's talks about Iran. There's talks about nuclear stuff that's happening and projectiles going off. And sometimes we can laugh it off, but other times you, you feel it. You can feel the instability. And that's what they talk about, that you know that region of the world, what do they say, is unstable. Well, guess what? The whole world is unstable on that level. On that level of our ability to control things and our ability to even keep a virus from making us break our promises is nothing. We're not in control and we feel it. We feel this thing. We feel the upheaval. Can I go to the supermarket without getting shot? Will the stock market survive? We could just keep going on. But it's not just adults. You feel this as teenagers. You feel this even as young people. You go to school one day and she's your best friend. You go to school the next day and now she's spreading all kinds of slander about you. He's laughing with you one day. He's laughing at you the next day. You put yourself out there, you get burned, and if you do that enough it 's like i've put my hand on that stove fifty times i 'm not going to put it on the fifty first time, and so you just start withdrawing back. Why? Because you can feel the instability of it all. You can feel what it 's like most people know what it 's like to have a friend that betrays them, and that is an un that is a that don 't let anyone um, make you feel like that just because you 're a teenager and you have people that maybe have said unkind things about you, that once said kind things about you, like people will say stuff, and they're trying to be helpful. They'll say stuff like, you know, words shouldn't hurt you. Well, Proverbs actually says words are like a thrusting of a sword, but that's a different <laughs> message. But it, it's true. They're trying to keep you, they're trying to help you keep perspective that life is bigger than people. And it's true. It's very true. But that that's real. What you're feeling is real. Like you, you're feeling that, that there's an instability here that this is not safe. This is not safe. And there's very little that I can actually do about it. We feel it on every level of life. And as I was preparing for this, I thought, I was actually trying to think through this like, what is this? Um, in one way, it is not just the element of unpredictability, right? I mean, if you have a rich uncle that you know loves you very much. And calls you and says, "Hey, I'm going to be there on Tuesday, and this time I got you something you are really going to like." That doesn't feel like instability, right? That's actually a good thing. That's wonder, right? We don't we don't need to know everything for it to be okay. So there must be some element, some other element, coupled with unpredictability, coupled with the unknown. That affects this, and it's the fact that we know we live in a fallen world. Like I said earlier, it's not safe. It's not safe. Like you can try and do the right thing in some areas, and you're not guaranteed that on one way of looking at it, on a mere human level, on a person um, under the sun, as Ecclesiastes would talk about, that everything is going. You know, basically the prosperity gospel. I think that's why people get so sick of that. It's like I, man, I do not like false religions. I fight against them all the time. But the prosperity gospel, it just makes you mad, right? Because it's like that doesn't happen. And you hear them going over to Africa and preaching to these poor people that if you would just trust God, you would get out of your poverty. And it's like just infuriating because you know that's not the case. You know people that have tried to be wise with their money, and it doesn't always work out. Something ends up breaking. It's like you finally try and start doing the right thing, and stuff starts breaking, and it feels unstable. Everything feels like it's constantly going to change and Again, on one way of looking at it, there's this sense of dread that I don't really know what's going to happen here. This could go one way or the other. And I've seen it go a good way several times, but I can't promise it's going to go that way every time. What if it goes the other way? What am I going to do then? This is the world we live in. But in verses 5 through 6, God speaks into our awful mess that we have created because the reason why that there's not just wonder in the world like the rich uncle that there's instability is because of sin. We brought it here. We brought sin into the world. The instability that we feel on a daily basis and that sense of dread, we have ownership in it. It is because of sin. But God didn't leave us this way. Listen to this, verses 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He, has, he will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. And listen to this, don't you love this verse? And he will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. So briefly, I want to talk to you today about the source of stability and the means of stability. What does it look like, how does it come? The source of stability and then the means of stability. I can remember being younger and some of us kids built a tree stand and I got a ways up the tree stand and I heard a, I heard a pop. Um, Creaks are fine. When you hear a creak, pops are not fine. So I very uh, gently got back down, and we waited for my dad to get home, and it was a friend and I, and we explained to him the difference between a pop and a creek, and asked him if he could come help us. And so what did he do? He came out, and he got his tools, and he reinforced it. He reinforced it. He put something stable up under it. Turns out we weren't very good carpenters, and turns out I have that problem still. Uh, (Laughter) But Dad came out there, and he put boards under it. He put multiple screws in it, and when we got back there and put it, there, was not, there wasn't even any creaks left. Like, it was just solid. And so you climb up there, and you're kind of, you know, as a kid, you're kind of, like, bouncing on it a little bit. Like, is this thing really going to hold me? Well, within a couple of minutes, you know, we're shooting up and down the tree and basically never thought of it again. And funny enough, I just thought of this when I was taking Charlie out in the woods um, a long, um, about a year and a half ago it 's actually still there it 's uh, that, that bottom rung is now way up here, but that is actually still there. Why that reinforced it now it 's stable now it 's stable, and that is what God is for us. We live in an unstable world that is safe there are a lot of times when things are coming our way and we feel it, you feel it as a teenager, you feel it as, as a young person, that there's just stuff like, I don't know how it's going to turn out and I don't know what I'm going to do if it turns out this way. Because I've seen it turn out that way before with people. But God has come along and he offers his stability to us. God is unaffected by the chaos And the upheaval of the world, he is exalted and dwells on high. He will be the stability of your times. The source of stability is God alone. I can remember kayaking a flooded river, and it was flowing really hard, and we were really tired. And it was hard actually to get to um, the sides, but we were coming up and there was a big rock in the middle. And so we came up and we rested against that rock and that river was flowing. I mean, it was flowing hard. If you've ever been on a flooded river, you know, like they flow hard. And I remember resting against that rock and just thinking of how unaffected that rock was by that raging river. And that's the way rocks are. And that's why God is called a rock. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, The rock, his work is perfect. All of his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness. I love that because sometimes the Bible says a rock, but every once in a while it uses this other thing because it wants you to know God's not just a rock. You've seen rocks before, but this is the rock. The rock, his work is perfect. Psalm 18, the psalmist does this a lot, doesn't he? The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Fortress, rock refuge, stronghold, what is he trying to communicate? God is, st- God is the stability in an unstable world. There's a lot in the world that looks uncertain when you're looking at it from one way, and we'll talk about this in just a second. But one thing we know for sure, and we can just nail that down at this point in the talk, God is a rock. God is unmoved. I went to a place not too long ago where I used to play as a kid, and literally everything about that place had changed except the big rock by the creek. It was still the same, and that's how God is. Rocks cause you to change plans. I vaguely recollect playing as a kid out in the woods, and we were clearing an area, and the plan was to totally clear it so that we could move some stuff in there. Well, we were able to clear out everything except one thing, a big rock. And I think we made it a table, because that's all you can do with a rock, right? A while back, I hit a rock with my lawnmower. It chipped the blade and dented the deck, but the rock stayed the same, right? didn't change the rock. It changed my mower. That's the way God is. God is unaffected. Think of that. Think of that. The world feels so chaotic, and you can be doing really well one day, and then something happens that just like takes your feet out from under you, and you just feel shaken. And let me just go back and reapply this again, like you go to school or something happens, and one of your friends says something unkind about you, and it just it 's real, right? Am I just wholly mis misrem- not remembering how this feels, and now only like imposing my adult thoughts on it that feels real it does not feel good. And it it just feels feels like upheaving. It feels like it's just like nothing is secure. Like, I don't know, can I count on anything? The Bible comes along and speaks into your situation. And it speaks to you, mom and dad, too, about your finances, how unstable that may feel, or the world situation, or something that happens to your friend, or something that you see that clips your leg out from under you. It is coming with this message right here. God is a rock. God is not affected by these big things that are happening. The world seems like, you read the news, the world is in such upheaval, but it says that God is high and exalted, so there's chaos down here, and up here is God who is totally unaffected by it all. And if you can actually just get that in your trials, if you can just get that that I feel swept away and my mind is my head is swimming, but God is the same, God is not moved, God is unaffected, that can help you. He is a rock. He's not just a rock, he's the rock. It says in Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever your friends might change your bank account might change the world might change Jesus never changes so if you see him doing something and the gospel's for someone you see him treating or treating a situation a certain way and you can sense this is God's heart for this person in this situation you can know that's God's heart still today because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Peter says in 1 Peter 1-2, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. You know what a stone is? A stone's a rock. A cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. He will be the stability of your times. What a promise. He's not just the stability of George Mueller's times or George Whitfield's times. He's not just the stability of Isaiah's times or some other time. He's not just the stability of pastors or nations or churches. He will be your stability. What a promise. God is the source of stability. What about the means of stability? I read a story recently of a guy who fell out of the boat and he drowned because he couldn't get back in. He couldn't get back in. God is stability, but how do we gain access? How what well, what is the point where you go from getting your legs clipped out from you under time to now you are resting on the rock? God offers it to us. He says I will be this he will be the stability of your times. How do you gain an interest in this? What are the means? The first way that God does it is by changing our mind. And that is what is meant by the phrase abundance of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. And the other thing that God does is he changes our heart. And that is what is meant by the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. So let's just look at these very quickly here. Stability comes when we view the world like God does. That's what the Bible means by wisdom and knowledge. And today I'm just going to talk about wisdom, but when you read Proverbs and read the rest of the Bible, you know wisdom and knowledge are very closely related and tied together. A simple definition of wisdom is knowing how the world really works. Knowing how it really works, and you see this throughout the Bible, but especially in the books of wisdom like Proverbs, where you have the sages, it talks about that, the sages that are sharing wisdom. The prophet's classroom, when they're teaching us, the classroom is the temple, but when the sage is teaching us in the books of wisdom, their classroom are places like the field. And so, um... Wisdoms. so what they do is you'll find them looking out in a field, they're looking at an ant, they're making observations and deductions about how the world really works. Wisdom starts from the fact that God made the world and he made it with an order. There is a certain way that the world works and when you work in conjunction with the world, when you work with its purpose, life works, things work. When you work against its purposes, you're going to ruin your life. It's the difference between trying to cut against the grain and trying to cut with the grain. Your life will be so much easier. And that's what the sages talk about, and that's what they talk about when they talk about wisdom. For instance, whoever guards his mouth preserves life. He who opens opens wide his mouth comes to ruin The Bible's trying to tell us, like, this is the way that the world works. You're going to be naturally tempted in your life to open your mouth a lot. When you open your mouth a lot, you're going to end up ruining your life. And how many times, like, we could spend the rest of the time actually just telling stories about how that actually has happened. The world actually really does work that way. And he says this a lot, like, a lying tongue hates its victim, and a flattering mouth works ruin. You are going to ruin your life if you don't live your life the way that God has built the world. There is an order to the world. So wisdom knows that there is an order to the world, but it also knows that that order is fallen. It's fallen. You get this in Proverbs, but you especially see it in the other wisdom books like Ecclesiastes and Job. And sin has blinded us to that reality. We're blinded to the reality. And so the Bible talks a lot about do not be wise in your own eyes right? And the Bible talks a lot about changing your mind. Set your mind on things of above. What is it? What, somebody actually shared it earlier, I believe, Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You come into the world thinking along a certain line. You think a certain way, and we are all subject to it. You think you know the way that the world works, and man, we are hard on our kids about this, aren't we? It's like, you know, you listen. Like, you don't know anything, basically. So you you listen to me. Well, guess what? Adults, we don't know anything either apart from the Lord helping us. We know some things, but we don't know ultimate things. We don't know ultimate reality unless God comes and changes our mind and we are renewing our mind in the world. For instance, naturally, the world thinks that the way to really get ahead is through strength and force. But wisdom comes along and says that the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. That is counterintuitive. Nobody comes in the world thinking that, that I bet the way to riches, honor, and life is that if I fear a bunch. That's not how we think at all. That's not how we think at all. And as God reveals himself more throughout history, wisdom, or the way that things really are, comes more clearly into focus so that by the time we get to the pinnacle of revelation, the the biggest revelation, what we could call the apex of revelation, like the highest revelation of God, which is Jesus Christ, we are told that in Christ are hidden all treasures of Of wisdom and knowledge. Do you want to know the way that the world really works? Do you know how the how you're supposed to live your life? Do you want to know what the world's order really looks like? Look at Jesus. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we learn in Jesus that God will often let things like evil look like it is getting the upper hand, but actually he is using that evil to bring about the greatest good we could have possibly imagined. What looks like chaos and a mob shouting crucify him is actually God saving the world. And with wisdom comes a new set of glasses called Insight. Insight, and in the Bible, you know this, if you read Proverbs 1, the Bible talks about wisdom, insight, and it often talks about them together. Insight is the ability to see into things, right? In sight. It means that you have the ability to look into a situation and see what's really at work, what's really happening, what's really the mechanism here. So, unbelief hears that it's cancer and your best days are over. Wisdom hears, this is going to be hard, but God works all things for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You see, insight, insight, wisdom can look into that situation and say, God is actually going to bring about greater good through this incredibly difficult trial than if it had never occurred. Unbelief looks at it and all it sees is, well, my best days are probably over. Unbelief looks at the winds and waves and concludes that the boat is sinking. What does real stability, which is what we're talking about, what does real stability look like? Real stability looks like the boat, literally water is coming into the boat and Jesus is asleep. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How on earth are you sleeping inside of a boat that is the definition of unstable because he is wisdom, he is insight. He knew for certain, just like he promised them, we started on this side and we're going, on, we're going to that side and there's nothing that happens between here and here that is going to change any of it. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I could see that if like the waves were coming up to the edge of the boat, but there's actually water in the boat. It didn't change a thing. The level of external Perceived instability does not change anything about God. Go back to what we just talked about. He's the rock. You come up against him in this raging river and you're thinking, is there any place where I could rest? Well, you find a rock, you can rest. River's not going to move that rock if it's big enough. He's not a rock. He's the rock. He's the rock. Apart from wisdom, we think that our biggest problem is what job we're going to get or some relationship problem that we're in or the foundation cracking or the finances or any other thing that we could mention. But wisdom sees that our biggest problem, when you have insight, you can see that your biggest problem that you've ever faced in your life has already been dealt with. It was your sin. Your biggest problem is your sin and when you're wise and you start to see the bible you start to see the world the way it really works everybody's all concerned about what am i going to what's my 401k what's going to happen with my stock market what's going to happen with my kids when they grow up this that and the other wisdom sees that those are peripheral problems unbelief can't see it Wisdom sees the real problem in the world today, the real problem in my life is my sin and the fact that I'm a slave to it and there's nothing that you can do about it in your own strength. You've probably already tried a couple of times. You tried to turn over the new leaf and found that that leaf's rotten on the other side too. The whole leaf is the problem. But guess what? Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge, has come into the world and dealt with sin for anyone that believes on him, so that the greatest problem that you could ever face in any given day, no matter how bad things are, you can know that this is awful, but the worst problem I've ever faced in my life has been dealt with. Jesus paid it all. You have abundance of salvation. Psalm 62 says, For God alone waits my soul in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. He's not saying that I'm going to be uh, you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. He's saying hard things are going to happen, but I'm not going to get moved. He's saying I can be like Jesus in that boat. Because Jesus came and Jesus will walk with me through this. And Him, in him are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And when I stop looking at the world the way that I am do when I'm born into sin, and I start being wise, and I start seeing things the way that God sees them, I can see that this problem, God is going to work it for good, that God is in charge of absolutely everything. It looks like it's chaotic, it looks like a nuke could go off at any time, but in actuality, nobody can press a button in the world unless God says they can. Nothing can happen to you unless God says it can. Nothing can come against God in such a strong way that's going to move him. Why? He's the rock. He's high and exalted. He doesn't get affected by these things like we do. So we may feel like our legs are clipped out from under us, and that's not probably going to change a ton when you start growing in wisdom. You're still going to feel that initial clip. But the difference is, the difference is, instead of just descending into despair, you are going to say things like, Psalm 16, I bless the Lord who gives counsel. See, he's giving wisdom. Like, man, I think of this this way. God comes in with wisdom and tells me another way to view this thing, view it according to the Bible. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. One more. 1 Corinthians 15, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Right? That's what we're talking about. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Be steadfast. Be immovable. How are you going to be immovable? Wisdom. Wisdom. God will teach you things. God will show you how the world actually works. And as you believe God, you begin to view everything totally differently. So now you can be steadfast, Immovable knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It may feel like mundane homeschool. It may feel like changing diapers and insignificance. <clears throat> it may feel like that what you're doing is a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. But when you become wise, you can see your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. There is nothing in vain you can go to cambodia and be a missionary and see you know you see thousands of people converted and people can write biographies about you or you can be a house mom and you labor quietly in your own sphere and nobody's going to read You know, nobody's going to write your biography or things like that. But you can know this. If you're not wise, that's going to discourage you. But if you're wise and you start to see the way the world really works, you can know that that deal over there that God called them to, God is pleased with it because they were faithful in what they did. This thing over here that God has called you to, if you are faithful in it, God will be pleased with it just like he's pleased with that. What does it say about, what is Jesus, Jesus is trying to teach you something about the way the world works. When that woman comes and anoints him with perfume, what, is, what does he say? He says she did what she could. Oh, what a liberating verse. She did what she did. She did not do what she could not do. She didn't do what she can't. She did what she could. What has God called you to? Has he called you to that? or is he called you to this, it doesn't matter. If you're unwise, it's going to matter. If you're wise, you're going to see that you can please God right where it calls you, and your life matters to him, and he'll help you with that homeschooling. He'll help you at your mundane job. He'll help you with your finances to be faithful. He'll help you in all of these sorts of things that the world looks at and says, how insignificant, why would you ever waste your life like that? And, oh, there is coming a day of reckoning. There is coming a day when God is going to march all these people out in front of the whole world and say, these are my children, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you're wise, if you will let God make you wise, you will see it. And you'll start to see it. And it will give you encouragement. And it will give you hope. I said briefly, and I did not do that briefly. Fear. As you believe God, he will work in your mind to see how things really are, but he's also going to work in your heart to fear. How ironic that the road to stability is paved with fear. If you don't have wisdom, you can't see that. And if you don't have wisdom, you're not going to believe that. You're going to think, well, that would be a nice thing to try. Maybe on a weekend, because it's probably not going to work. But as God changes you... And as you start to see that that's actually worldly wisdom, that's arrogance, you're starting with yourself and trying to figure out the world, and it is not going to work. A while back, I broke something on a computer and just couldn't figure it out. I did what every IT person does, and that's Google the problem. That didn't work. So what did I do? I finally called the person who built it. Why? He knows how it works, and he did, and we got it fixed. If you really want to know how the world works, you're going to ask God and you're going to rely on God's thoughts. And if you rely on God's thoughts, then you are going to know that the road to stability is paved with the fear of the Lord. And it becomes this thing that sounds kind of weak to, as Isaiah talks about it, the fear of the Lord is their treasure. Like it's one one of the greatest things they've got. Fear. Fear of God, the fear of God and we've talked about this before, is God consciousness. It's God awareness. And you can see how this all relates and dovetails back into wisdom and knowledge. It's consciousness of God and his ways and what he has said in the world. Worldly fear is fixated on Pharaoh's power, but godly fears knows that God could drown him in the ocean if he wants to, and he did. Worldly fear says that Goliath could never fall. And they set out there day after day after day in worldly wisdom, just like you and I do every single day, and we evaluate a problem by starting with ourselves and comparing ourselves to the problem. Goliath can never be moved. Godly fear watches him die by a rock. How ironic on that, too. God killed a giant with a rock from a shepherd boy's sling. Thanks, brother. (laughs) Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because this this will like you. Like, you you live here. You live in these things. You're going to face stuff this afternoon that's going to seem big. You're certainly going to face stuff. Man, it's like like the sun coming up on Monday. Like, stuff's going to happen. You're going to be back in homeschooling tomorrow. There's going to be stuff that's going on. Or you're out of homeschooling, and that's a trial, too. It carries its own unique set of challenges. You're going to be back at work. You're going to be trying to balance the checkbook. You're going to be going through all these things. You're going to be talking to your parents that are sick. You're going to be talking to loved ones that are lost, and you are going to be facing the giant again. You need to hear this: you are either going to be wise in your own eyes and compare yourself to that giant, or you're going to know that one time, just like I said, God killed a giant with a rock from a shepherd's sling, because that's the way that the world works. The way the world really works is not that those things are ultimate. God is ultimate, and he does whatever he wants to because he's the rock. Godly fear, uh, worldly fear, looks out, sees the winds and the waves, and concludes that we're drowning. Godly fear rests knowing that Jesus said we are going to the other side. Fear, the fear of God, has to do with your fundamental direction of your thinking. That's why Proverbs says that it's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. When you live your life oriented towards God, when you determine in your heart, God help me, I am going to live my life by this book. God, Jesus come and walk with me. You said I could abide in you. Lord, teach me, help me to know and to see when all these things happen, how the world really works, when you come with that disposition, when that becomes your starting place, you are by definition saying, I want to live my life in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if today you tell God, Lord, I need your help. I want to fear you. I want to walk with you. I want you to be my Lord, to own my life. God will start you on the path of wisdom, and you don't have to be a slave to the perceived instability of the world. You don't have to live your life at the whim of the stock market or other people, what they say or think about you, or how unnerving it is when things that happen that seem random and out of the blue, you can know that this world is not random. There is a rock that is unmovable And this world is built with an order. It works a certain way. And the rock is the one who built it. He knows how it works. It's always worked like he says it works. And he can teach you how it works. And you will find rest for your souls. And you can be like Jesus. Where everything around you looks completely unstable. And there is water coming in the boat. And you are asleep on the stern. And those around you just wonder, what is this that we do not have? It's stability and it's based on wisdom and wisdom is based on the rock. God is a rock. Let's pray. Lord, our times are in your hands. We confess today, Lord, that you, you are the rock. We, agree, we, we just confess it with a word that you are the rock. God, please give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, to, as we encounter various situations, help us to respond in faith and not unbelief. We thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for sending Jesus. Amen.